fall has arrived, sort of. I brought my recorder on a walk Monday evening, hoping to get you the sound of footsteps crunching leaves. But the city hit 80 degrees this week, so you'll instead hear the occasional air conditioner. It was pleasant out though, and you could see through the windows that the Seahawks-Giants game was on more than a few TVs. One house was watching an episode of the show Suits. I won't be trick-or-treating, but if I were a kid, I would skip that one, because they will probably be giving out something boring or weird. There are some early Halloween decorations, and if you can't tell, I'm pointing the microphone directly at them as I go by. And I am going by. I know what I said suggests I could be just standing and staring in windows, but I would never do that. I was surprised though, especially after I called my friend Anna Fabrega, who made the show Los Spookies, to talk about scary stuff. And she told me that more than anything else, intruders were what she was afraid of. Um, I was scared of people breaking in. Like, from a really young age, I was always afraid of, like, intruders of some type. And I remember being, like, in middle school at night, like, you know, we had windows in the house, and when it would get dark and I couldn't see out anymore, like, beyond just whatever was illuminated by the house lights, I would get scared, and I would, like, sometimes if I was by myself or if there was somebody home but they were in a different part of the house I would stand in the kitchen and I would grab a knife and I would just stand there just like ready for someone to break in um but yeah I was more afraid of like a person than a spirit that's so funny the image of you standing in the kitchen with a knife do you think as a child you had it in you to kill an intruder I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. Is like, what? I thought someone would come in and I would stab them and I'm like 11. <laughs> and your house was never actually broken into, was it? No. I don't know where this fear came from. Maybe it's from watching too many scary things as a kid because I really loved watching horror and like suspense thrillers. And, um, I think the the flip side of that was that then it made me very paranoid that I would wind up in one of those situations. Has it gone away? Yeah, it's definitely gotten a lot better. Like, there was still a period, though, in my early adulthood that I was afraid of being alone. And when I first started to live alone, I definitely had a little bit of fear at night. Um, Mm -hmm. My girlfriend sleeps with a metal bat right by her bed, like underneath her bed, just in case. And I'm like, I get, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> How big is it? Is it like a miniature bat or is it a full? No, it's like a metal, normal, big bat. And the other day she was happy she had it because like she was home and someone started banging on her door, like really banging on it. And their door doesn't have a little peephole. And person was like banging and yelling and sort of like unintelligible stuff and she and her roommate were home and they were like you know she was like don't say anything like let's just wait for them to leave and that then eventually the person left and their front door to the building has a camera and they saw 
on the little camera that it was someone wearing like a, a safety vest, a construction type vest. And I think it was someone pretending to be like a worker getting access, but like, you know, they were freaked. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think it's good to have a bat for like, in case something like that happens, like God forbid you had opened the door and just like fake worker comes in to try to do God knows what. That's funny. What for your girlfriend you have to go to the court because your girlfriend knocked out a con ed worker <laughs> yeah <laughs> I would say that's my baby <laughs> I can't believe it's the ninth episode of drifting off and I'm only asking now do you keep any weapons by your bed I guess I never considered it because I don't myself the only time I did was while staying alone at an old cabin. It was because in the middle of the night, I woke to a man standing over my bed, or so I thought. I felt certain I was dreaming, but I couldn't manage to wake up. I couldn't move or scream, and he just kept standing there. It was sleep paralysis, and when I finally woke up, I decided to put the wood chopping hatchet next to my bed. I'm pretty sure it was by imagination, but that's probably the closest I've ever come to seeing a ghost. Have you seen one? I don't know. A couple friends claimed to have seen them, but as I was walking around the neighborhood, it occurred to me that none of them had ever seen the ghost in New York City, always elsewhere, which is strange. There are so many people who have lived and died in this city I started to wonder, why aren't we seeing them all the time? So I reached out to my former roommate, Tom Delgado, Tomas from my Cubes joke, who is a tour guide here and knows more about New York history than anyone else I could easily get on the podcast. After quitting his job as a lawyer to pursue comedy, Tom got a tour guiding license to pay the bills and is constantly reading about the city as well. There's a lot of background I could give, but my favorite Tom fact is that he only ate five foods while we lived together. Cereal, chicken, rice and beans, which I think counts as one, Giovanni yogurt, and every day for lunch, a turkey sandwich. Does he still? What'd you have for lunch today? Well, unfortunately, I haven't eaten lunch, but I, I did eat breakfast. And I had uh, oatmeal with raisins in it. Interesting. That's new. And maple syrup. That sounds pretty good. It was pretty good, actually, and I, I eat it every day. <laughs> what, and what do you think you will have for lunch when we finish the interview? Um, I, if I had to guess, I'd say a, a turkey sandwich with cheese and avocado and uh, and pressed. That's nice. Some some things never change, and that's that's kind of good. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's a dependable friend in the afternoon. Yeah. Good. So there's so much life in New York, but also a lot of death. And I was wondering oh, yeah. if you could share some of the spookier stories you've come across in your research and tour guiding over the years. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of. Uh, hauntings uh in new york i guess you have a city that's been around for over 400 years yeah 
you're going to have a lot of crazy things take place. And it's interesting because you have these buildings that we all live in that are, that were, have been around for 150 years and have seen people die. I've seen people, you know, uh, have crimes committed, all these things inside them and every single one of them. And, uh, you know, some of them, I guess, leave behind spirits and all that kind of stuff. So there's a crime that's been committed in everybody's apartment who is listening right now. Yes, every single one, every especially the ones that are older. And I'd say some of them multiple crimes. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, don't think about it too much. It'll keep you up at night. If ghost stories might keep you up, this is your warning. But I figured it'd be fun to let Tom take the reins for a bit. He's more charming and knowledgeable than I am. And if you get too scared, you could think about his six-pack. So what? What came to mind first when I asked about spooky stories for tonight? Well, the first the first place that came to mind is this apartment. It's 14 West 10th Street in Greenwich Village. It's a really, West 10th Street is a very beautiful street. Uh, you know, lots of celebrities have lived there uh, and all that kind of stuff. This tree line, it's got a, all these different types of architecture on it. But the building, 14 West 10th, is known as the House of Death. It actually was given that um, title because of its dark history. And part of that history is hauntings. Really? Uh, so, yeah, so much so there was a book written uh, about it called Spindrift. And it's called, uh, it's called Spindrift Spray from a Psychic Sea. And it was this woman who lived there who was basically, who did all this, you know, research and everything. And, and the book is out of print. So good luck finding it for less than $70, which is, which is kind of scary in itself. But she would talk about how there was supposedly, you know, 20 something different spirits in the house um, and talked about how the, there were different people who passed away there. But one of the famous spirits who, who someone had actually um, said they saw there was one of the old tenants there who was uh, Samuel Langhorn Clemens, better known as Mark Twain. The ghost Mark of Twain. Mark Twain's ghost is hanging out in New York. That's what they say. They say uh, they say he was he lived at this house briefly for like a little over a year towards the end of his career in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so the, the story is that in the 1930s, there was a mother and daughter who went in at the on the first floor and saw the ghost of Mark Twain dressed in all white sitting at the window there. And he turned to them and said to them uh, that his name he says my name is samuel and i got a problem i have to settle here and said that to them and then disappeared wow did they ever see him again or was that it that was it that was the one time they saw him and that was the big um but what has been reported there is different um lights and sounds and drafts and all those kinds of things uh, and he when he moved in he actually wrote about this he said that uh, there was there was um talk back then even of of the uh, spirits and things and he actually reported once seeing a piece of wood moving across the room by itself a piece of like kindling from the fireplace yeah and like any rational person he grabbed a gun and shot it uh, but it didn't it obviously fell down and he said he he saw blood near the the kindling later on so maybe he shot a mouse or something but or a, or a rat but uh, but even then, there was already talks of uh, of you know spirits and things. Wow! But those the, yeah, the mother and daughter saw saw Mark Twain, so they got to see a ghost. 
uh, and a celebrity sighting at once. Pretty nice. That's kind of, <laughs> you know, I think so. It's kind of gentlemanly of him. It's nice yeah. to, to announce himself, say what's going on and not try and sneak up on anybody. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How far is that from Ed Gray on Poe's house? Not far, actually. It's so Edgar Allan Poe's is on West Third Street. This is on West Tenth Street. So seven blocks south, you have the the house you're talking about, which is 85 West Third Street. And yeah. so what's left there, unfortunately, is just uh, a facade, though, because in 2001, NYU tore down the house um, because <laughs> that's uh, if there's anything more evil than uh, you know than than ghosts and, and spirits. It's you know development over development, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they tore down this this piece of history and then and then reached a, a a deal with the neighborhood that they would at least try to recreate the facade and they did and they kept part of the banister from inside the house okay put that in the building as well now it's just this massive part of the law school yeah. but they do say this is also going to what you're saying they say that that is haunted and and there have been law students who've seen Edgar Allan Poe they say going up and down that banister Interesting. Um, and these are these yeah. are law students, so these are they're, they're 100% yeah. truthful. They're 100% truthful, and they're in no way influenced by the, all the Adderall they're taking. Um, so it, it's, they're definitely completely <laughs> sober, seeing that ghost. Um, but yeah, they see, they saw, that's what they, they reported seeing Edgar Allan Poe um, there as well. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's all going on. And then I remember from, I think it was a tour I was taking with you. I didn't realize, but all of Washington Square Park is a cemetery, basically, if you could even consider yeah. that, right? Well, the famous, yeah, famous Washington Square Park with the famous arch and, you know, very picturesque and countless movies. People don't realize when they go to visit that one, it was started out as what's called a potter's field. It was bought by the city to use as kind of a multi-purpose field to use for different things. But one of the things they used it for was to bury the dead uh, from yellow fever epidemics specifically that were one of the reasons why Greenwich Village was settled in the first place in the early 1800s. And the poor people who died from it were had to be buried somewhere. So they, it was a, basically a mass grave. Thanks. Uh, so that, yeah, so there's still people buried underneath there because they weren't able to exhume everybody. And as recent as like the, you know, 2000, I think 2009 was when they did the work on the fountain. They moved the fountain 20 feet and spent millions of dollars doing that. So it would line up with the arch so people could get their great selfies in front of the arch and it'd be semi-symmetrical. But they, they came up and they found some of these bodies under there, um, you know, buried underneath. And also on top of that, they used to hang people in the park. Like that's where they would actually have like public hangings in the park and on the elm trees and things that were there. And there's still a tree in the park known as the hangman's elm because it's very typical of, of the trees that they would use uh, or, or have in the park at the time. And they say that's the oldest living uh, thing in Manhattan, that tree. It's like over 350 years old. Hey, that's the hanging tree. Wow. That's what they call it, the hangman's elm. Takes. I had no yeah. idea, you'd have no idea if you're sitting underneath it, flirting with your fellow NYU student. That's right. Talking about about your your classes in Chem Chem 101 or Chemistry 101, that you know, hanging above you was probably some petty criminal 200 years earlier. <laughs> There's a house uh, in Washington Heights, and it's called the Eliza. Well, it's, it's the Morris Jumel Mansion. In fact, a very famous uh, person who lived there was Aaron Burr, who, who 
who famously shot Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Um, Ehrenberg was a former vice president of the United States, but he lived there briefly. And, and the woman who lived there, Eliza Jumel, she was a widow and lived there for a long time and, and married Burr. But famously, in, um, in the 1960s, uh, there was a field trip that went to this house. And um, they got to the house before the, the museum educator was there to let them in. So they had to wait outside. When the museum educator arrived, uh, the, the group said to her, um, oh, it's great you're here. I think we disturbed the woman inside. She came out on the balcony and told us uh, to be quiet or leave. And the museum educator said, uh, what are you talking about? They said, yeah, there was a woman in costume, one of the, one of the people who works at the, at the uh, house. And she says, we don't have people in costume here. So they walked inside and she's like, oh, whatever, that's weird. And, and, uh, and the kids were like, yeah, we saw her. And then as they walked by the portrait of Eliza Jumel, they looked at the portrait and said, that's the woman. That's the woman that came out on the balcony. Wow. And all of these yeah. kids had collectively seen it. Yeah. And the kids had collectively seen her. And interestingly enough, after that happened, it was, it was kind of publicized. A man named Hans Holzer, who was a very famous, he, he's supposedly like the inspiration for the professor character, like Ray Ray's character in Ghostbusters. Mm. He worked at NYU. He'd written a, like 140 books on ghosts. He he went and like investigated it and made it part of his investigations. The Dakota building is supposedly very haunted and supposedly Central Park too. I say Central Park is haunted. There's a, there's a couple of women who would go ice skating all the time uh, and became pretty good. And they would always ice skate together in little patterns and things. And they were sisters. Mm. I believe they were sisters, but they, they have supposedly appeared um, after the ice skating rink is closed um, and they've appeared people have claimed to have seen them that's kind of beautiful yeah it's nice they were friends and they you know they were friends with each other and got along well and they just appear doing what they like to do yeah that's not a bad way to spend eternity um, no, no ice skating although I, I can imagine you probably get probably gets pretty old well, i guess any doing anything for an eternity probably gets pretty old yeah that yeah that analysis of time that gets me more than thinking about ghosts i think I agree 100. percent When I was when I was younger, I went to Catholic school growing up, and they would and we would have classes where they would describe hell to us, which was pretty horrifying. But I would have a hard time sleeping at night thinking about heaven. I would I would be horrified by the idea of heaven because the idea of spending eternity doing anything was just horrifying to me. Same. That and I was pretty sure I wasn't going to hell. <laughs> you were pretty sure. Yeah, I was pretty sure. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to hell, even though a nun in class once told me I was going to hell. That's awful. It really was a. She could have just given me a demerit or something. What but, did you know? She told she told me I was going to hell. What were you doing? I was just you know being a just a regular a regular uh, jokester and cut up, seeking my my peers' approval. <laughs> Tell a kid to go to hell. <laughs> she didn't. Say, she didn't tell me to go to hell. She told me you're going to hell. That's what. That's what she's told me in the middle of class. Wow. In front of everybody. That's so. Weird. Um, yeah. That'd be funny. What if you told her like, now that I've been damned, I can do it every, anything I want in class. Oh yeah. I or I could have just said, I'll see you there. <laughs> That would have that would have really made me a legend at the school. Have you ever seen a ghost yourself? I've never I've never seen a ghost ghost, but when I was um, 
uh, younger, I guess, maybe like five years old, six years old, I vividly remember seeing and hearing noises at our old house when I lived in Lakeland, Florida, mm-hmm. um, which by itself as a, as a town is already spooky enough. And uh, I went to my parents' room. I, I vividly remember this. I went to my parents' room to tell them that I was hearing things and seeing things. And my dad volunteered to go out in the hallway to make me feel better and come back. So he did. And then he came back in the room and he said, see, there's nothing to be, be afraid of. And next to him, like holding his hand was this little shadow boy. It was a shadow, but it was the size of a young boy. And it, and it appeared to be holding his hand. And I remember burying my face in the pillow, horrified. And then when I brought it back up, it wasn't there. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was very, very scary. Do you believe, did you do any research into the history of the house? I did not. No, I didn't do any research. I was, I was five years old. I was too busy playing Nintendo at the time. (laughs) (laughs) That was the only research I was capable of doing. That's interesting to hear about the extent of these hauntings because i i've never seen a ghost in new york i don't know anybody i i know that has seen a ghost in new york and i had a theory that maybe everybody's just too busy or you know uh, developers are knocking down and rebuilding stuff so fast that the ghosts don't even have time to camp out but it kind of blows up my theory a little bit seems like there are ghosts all over the place here yeah, I think there are. And I think the ones that we talked about today are, you know, are better known because they're famous buildings and they've been repeated. But I, I honestly think that a lot of the buildings uh, here, you know, that those kind of things happen all the time. We were talking at the beginning how, you know, if your building has been around since 1850, mm-hmm. um, the chances are multiple generations have lived in that building. And you never know how how the generation came to an end or how they why they why they left or what happened. And, uh, you know, and in different periods of the city's history, there have been darker times as well and more dangerous and more more violence or things like that. So I feel like every building is marked, has some kind of has some kind of uh, dark past. Yeah, it'd be it'd be fascinating to get all those histories. But I guess, uh, you know, it's just hard to piece it all together. Smart guy. You could always count on Tom for a coherent and insightful conclusion. And yet, as we prepare to drift off, even the most well-reasoned summation won't change the fact that we've been talking about spirits unable to find rest for the entire episode. How can we find peace tonight? When she wasn't telling me about how to take out an intruder with a baseball bat, Anna had some extremely practical advice for falling asleep. Do you have any advice for people who are having trouble sleeping during the Halloween season? Um, yeah, I would say to count your breath. That always helps me fall asleep. How so? Like count, count your inhales, like by the second, you know, like inhale and count one, two, three, four and exhale and count one, two, three, four, and just do that over and over until you fall asleep. <laughs> do you do that every night? I do that a lot. If I lay down to sleep, like if I'm not super tired and just fall asleep immediately, I'll read. And then 
if I read and get sleepy and turn off the lights, but I feel like I have like racing thoughts, then I'll just count. And eventually that'll help me fall asleep. If you want to give it a try, I'll count with you for the first few. In, two, three, four. Out, two, three, four. 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 I'm gonna do the credits, but you keep going. Our guests tonight were Anna Fabrega and Tom Delgado, or Tom D NYC on YouTube, if you're interested in watching his great videos about New York history. I should note, both are great stand-ups as well. Music and sound has been by Ryan Dan, produced by Grant Farsi for Chestnut Walnut. Happy Halloween to everyone, but especially to our patrons Jamie, Tom B, and Sean B. Wonder if they're related. And if you're wondering what I'm going to dress up as this year, you guessed it. Black Adam. Don't worry about ghosts. The rock is out there and he will protect us. Good night.